how do we pray to a God who promises to hear so many prayers? And finally, how do I ask God to work in my life? Especially when we look around and it feels like sometimes our needs and our desires maybe aren't as, like, if we gradate them, aren't as important as the needs of other people. And so my answer in a nutshell is simply this. I don't know. So we're done, and you can go. Uh, I mean, honestly, it's impossible, really. It's impossible to answer those questions, and I wish that I had a solution for you. I wish I could give you God's email address, www.godatyahweh.com, and I wish that I could tell you, I so, so do wish that I could tell you that God was some benevolent figure high in the sky who had hit select all to everyone and just answer all of your prayers, yes. But it has been my experience that this is not how prayer operates, and that this is not how God operates in the world. Here's what I can tell you about prayer, and I feel pretty confident about that. Uh, and here's what I can tell you about prayer and the way that I think God works in our life. 2,000 years ago, so go back a couple years, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was walking with his disciples, and they asked him this question, how do I pray? And the response that Jesus gives him is recorded in Matthew 7 and then again in Matthew 11. It's the verses just before the verses that uh, Melissa read a few seconds ago. And his response is simply this. He gives him the Lord's Prayer. What we know today is the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Father Almighty, uh, Father of our heaven, hallowed be the name, and so on and so forth. Right? He gives him this. And it's a structure. It's a form of prayer. And so let me set the scene. If you're just joining us this week, we are in the middle of a Lenten sermon series called A Way to Pray. And we are looking at this ancient form of prayer called the collect. Is, do, we have, do we find that? Great. And it follows a structure. It follows uh, you name God, you do some sort of remembering of God, you ask something of God, you petition God for something, you state why you're asking that. Like, I'm going to ask you to do this thing in my life so that, what? So I can live into that, and then there's kind of this ending. And so this week we're in that part about asking, and like, what, what's, what are we allowed to ask of God? And so I want to hit like the pause button and just say that, that that question that the disciples asked Jesus 2,000 years ago, Lord, how do we pray? I just want to say that, that I really honestly think that that's a really good question. I think that is a great question. And I think that that question, when directed to the right person, when directed to the God who revealed God's self in the person of Jesus Christ and promises to be with us always in the power of the Holy Spirit, I think that question, how do we pray, is a good prayer. I mean, essentially, reword it. You're asking, you can go and throw this up too. God, what are you passionate about? God, what is preoccupying your heart that should also be preoccupying mine? If you're having trouble... I don't know what to pray about this week. I don't know how to go to you, God, in prayer. Like, write these down. Take a snapshot of them. It's been a prayer that's on my heart this past week. And it's been uh, not an easy prayer to pray, but it's been a good prayer, I feel like. And so that's, like, number one. If you don't know what you're doing here today and you showed up and you didn't even know we were talking about prayer, just go and ask these questions because they're good questions. But secondly, to that question, how do we pray, Jesus answers also with a parable. And so imagine this, maybe this has happened to you, but imagine it's a Thursday night. And I choose Thursday night because Thursday is like the worst day of the week for me. It's the, the second half, it's the tail end of the week, You're still, it's still not Friday, you just got over hump day. 
So imagine it's Thursday night and you just finished off Tuesday's takeout. You've got no other groceries in the home. You maybe are pouring yourself a little nightcap, but in doing so, you finished off the last of your scotch and brandy or something. And you are now getting cozy. You're getting drowsy. It's about bedtime. It's like 10 o'clock. And all of a sudden, you hear a knock on the door. Would that be at this hour at 10 o'clock on a Thursday night? Shouldn't they be getting ready for work? You go to the door, and lo and behold, it's your long-lost friend's name. Jason. Jason. It's Jason. I've been seeing Jason in years. Jason, what are you doing here? Well, I was passing through. I had this work thing. It was a mix-up at the hotel. I remembered you were here, and I was, was wondering if I could crash on your couch tonight. And you're so excited. You forget all about the worries that Friday has. And you forget that you just finished the takeout, the takeout, and you forget that you finished off your last bit of, uh, of brandy or scotch. And just, come in, and I will make a feast for you. Come in, like just kick your shoes off and be comfortable. Now, let's just like let's be honest with each other. Most people here would be pretty embarrassed. If you showed up unexpected to my house right now on this week, I would be embarrassed by the amount of dog hair you would suck in. I'm back here this week. Probably really be a little embarrassed by the amount of laundry that are kind of scattered everywhere because haven't done laundry yet. <laughs> but this person is not. And Jesus says this person is so not embarrassed about that that they also aren't embarrassed about the fact that they have nothing to offer this person. And instead of letting that bog them down, they go next door and they remember immediately that I have a neighbor. Like, whoa, like, go figure, you live next to people. So they go to their neighbor, they knock on their door, and they know that their neighbor has children. You can't be neighbors with someone with, like, with kids and not know that they don't have kids, right? So you know that you're waking them up, and you go and you bang on the door. I've got Jason in town, and, I, and like, we're going to party? Do you have anything to offer me that I can offer my friend? And the friend is, like, annoyed. The friend is, like, dude, come on, I'm, like... And my PJs and the row one, they're not having it. But you're persistent, and you keep knocking, and you keep banging. And this person that has shown up in your life is, is worth celebrating, and you're excited. So finally, your friend gives you uh, some hors d'oeuvres. And here um, are the two things about prayer that I think we learned from this parable. Two takeaways. One, prayer is not reciprocal. Prayer isn't reciprocal. Notice that this is not a transactional proposition. That friend, that neighbor who is annoyed and is already in bed, does not say, okay, here's some cheese and some crackers and a cheap bottle of wine, and tomorrow I expect to be repaid. Nor do they say, hey, I'm going to give you this, but let's count it even for that one time I borrowed like, a, like a three eggs and a bowl of sugar for Sugar egg pie, I don't know. What do you make of the eggs and sugar? Wow. Oh. You can make a rain. Right, yeah. Okay, cool. I cook, alright? We can ask things of God without having to feel like God expects everything in return from us. God is not a vending machine in the sky that reads exact change and you have to put the right amount of quarters in it, but we can come to God with all of our needs. And sometimes it's not fair to God, but that's grace. Grace is something we don't deserve and it is a gift that God gives us. And that is the beautiful thing about prayer is that God opens God's self up to us and allows us to ask anything of God. Two, I think prayer transcends friendliness. Prayer transcends mere friendliness. Jesus tells us that this person gets up and they provide for their neighbor. 
not out of friendliness. That verse uh, 7 and 8 and 9 reads, it was not because they were friends that, that they get up. It's because of this person's persistence. And like this would be totally lost on you if you don't know Koine Greek or read other versions of the Bible. So I'm just going to, sorry, like you're, you're unfair here, unfair advantage. But now, the word persistent actually can be translated and is translated elsewhere in the Bible as shameless. So what Jesus is actually saying is that it's not because this person was friends with them, but at least because of his shamelessness, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. Shameless. How do we pray? Lord, how do we pray? Jesus' response seems to be telling me, You pray with everything you have. With any guilt, with any embarrassment that you have, you come and you lay it down. Shame and all. About 20 or 25 years ago, my grandmother, uh, Nanny is what we call her, was diagnosed with early onset onset dementia. Uh, And her husband, my grandfather, died just a few days before I was born, and my mom was an only child. So when we, when my family decided to move to Texas, we were like, we can't leave Nanny here, Nanny's coming with us to Texas. So we moved her from Tennessee to Texas with us, and for a few years she lived in our home with us, uh, but she kept getting out of the house, and she would have like strokes all over the neighborhood, and be lost, and had no idea where she was, really. We gotta put her in a nursing home. So she lived in a nursing home until she couldn't take care of herself anymore, her dementia moved on to Alzheimer's, and before long, she made it into an Alzheimer's facility. And she was there, and still is there for, uh, has been in an Alzheimer's facility for going on 10 or 12 years. Um, I will never forget, about five or six years ago, though, my, my mom, my, so my grandmother's my mom's mom, my mom sat me and my sister down with my dad, and basically told us, she said, uh, and this whole time, I just I'll never forget this scene, she was choking back tears. She sat down and she said, Taylor, Madison, uh, we have resolved to begin weaning your grandmother off of her Alzheimer's medication. For so long, she's essentially just been in a vegetable state. Uh, We don't want to do that anymore. And just yesterday, I signed a DNR, do not necessitate order. Uh, She has strokes all the time. And so we just felt like this wasn't fair to her. What my mom said uh, right after that, she said, I don't want your grandmother to suffer anyway. And I think we all knew what she really meant. And it wasn't until a couple of years ago that I asked her about that day, and she kind of admitted, uh, now that she has more strength, that the subtext was, was there. What she was really saying is, I don't want to suffer anymore. I mean, my mom felt guilty that her own mom had no recollection of her husband anymore had no clue that the person who kept coming to visit her was her own daughter. And every time, you could just, it just killed my mom. But how can you pray to God, God, let my mom die? And that's not fair. How do we pray to God? What do we ask for? What's in bounds and what is out of bounds? Jesus' response is simply this. It does not matter what time of the night it is. God invites you like a good neighbor to always knock on God's door 
and to ask for anything without feeling guilt or shame or embarrassment. You are free from judgment. This is what is at the heart of prayer, and I think this is the sort of prayer that God wants us. Now, God isn't handing out blank checks. If you ever saw that old, like, 1994 Disney movie, blank check? Go check that out. I'm talking movie bombs. I'm like, write these down, right? God is not cashing out, handing out blank checks that you can just write in your need and cash them in whenever you want. So you're like asking God to smite that coworker who keeps heating up cabbage-infused soups at your office place. Like, does not count. But I think being honest about where we are and what we're actually feeling helps us not just psychologically process our own emotions and our own desires and our own needs, but it is honestly being vulnerable about where we are and what we need from God. You don't have to take my word for it. Take Jesus' word for it. I'm invoking the Lord here. Because it was in the person of Jesus that God embraced shame. When Jesus embraced a rigged trial by jury of his peers. And it was in the person of Jesus that God embraced a humiliating death crucifixion on a cross by an unjust empire, only to rise three days later and to say, these things, these moments of shame and humiliation, they don't define you. In prayer, God embraces us and our needs. How do we pray? What do we ask God to work in our lives? How do we ask God? God to work in our lives. What makes prayer so difficult, I, this is at least for me, I'm speaking personally here, what makes prayer so difficult is that I so badly, and I think it's understandable, I'm going to cut myself some slack, it's understandably so, we want so badly to know how prayer works. We live in a world that likes to take things apart, to dissect every little thing, and we want to know how prayer works. We want to understand prayer as a mechanism, as a, a formula, as a structure, as something that we, can, that we can practice and get better at and eventually master and control. It is infused into our colonialist DNA, unfortunately. Some of Jesus' responses, kind of following this parable, answer those mechanical questions. Ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and those doors will be open to you. It makes it sound so easy. Right. Like a Nike commercial. Just do it. Just pray. <laughs> but some of Jesus' answers lead me wanting. Lord, I asked <coughs> for my uncle not to succumb to that cancer. Did my prayers drop the ball, or did you... God, I prayed that I would find happiness, that I would find a job, and I am still searching for meaning, for that perfect place that I feel alive. God, I feel like there are more doors closing in my life than there are doors opening. Where are you, God? These are the questions we ask so often. And so I think behind this question of how, how does prayer work? How do we ask God to work in our lives? Is that pulsing relational question of who? Who are we asking to work in our lives? And Jesus answers that too. Jesus likens God to a parent who, when asked, gives a fish, not a snake, 
or an egg, not a scorpion. When I read this passage, I'm very confused. <laughs> because, like, I don't, I haven't spent a lot of time around babies uh, and, like, infants, but I know that, like, good rule of thumb, if a child doesn't have teeth, you don't give it a T-bone steak. Like, so I feel like, I don't know, there's a weird juxtaposition going on here. But perhaps that's the point. God knows our needs, Jesus says. To God, they're as obvious as the difference between something that can kill us and something that can sustain us. A fish or a snake. But beyond just the answers Jesus gives, I think Jesus himself answers that relational question. His actual presence among us answers that relational question of who are we praying to? Because when we pray, we are praying to a God who not only knows us like a parent, but to a God who became flesh and experienced us. God knows our pain, the pain that we ask God to heal us from. God knows our suffering, the suffering that we pray for liberation for. God knows our loneliness and our isolation the same loneliness and isolation that we wonder if it will ever end. God knows our heartache, the same heartache that we beg God so often to ease, and God knows the uncertainty that every day brings because God lived that life with us. And so I don't have all of the answers about what do you need to pray for? What do you need to ask God to do in your life? But I feel pretty confident that God listens. I feel pretty confident that God hears. And it is my conviction that if God can pray these things in human form, so can you. Amen. One of the ways that we respond to uh, the proclamation of the word is by the giving of our gifts of tithes and offerings. If you are a first-time visitor, please, we uh, encourage you feel no obligation to give financially. We do invite you to tear off those, uh, to fill out and drop those tear-off forms in the, the offering place because we want to get to know you and reach out and see who you are and how you showed up today. Um, but uh, we'll spend a few minutes now uh, in, in meditation. Uh-huh.